And the Trust of Trust supports a network of over 1,300 food bank centres all the way across the UK to provide emergency food and crisis support to people who are referred to us by frontline organisations. The average household income of somebody coming to a food bank is just £50 a week after they've paid for their rent. So that's to cover everything else, utilities, food, school shoes. So just simply not enough money, very, very low income. Yes, that's why we're here. They're the words of the Trussell Trust CEO, Emma Revy, who you'll be hearing from at times in our charity Christmas episode with special guests, John Amici, Kate and Helen Richardson-Walsh and Will Greenwood. I'm Michael Costello, and in this episode, we were inspired by the story of the Christmas Carol and dared to venture into each guest's past, present and future with the intention of exploring well-being and how you can navigate the challenges that Christmas brings. There's fantastic advice in this discussion on how to manage the tensions that come with Christmas, enjoy the special moments that come along and how we can actually recuperate properly to be at our best for others and of course what do the guests really get up to on christmas day a huge thank you to our charity podcast sponsors smart sheet fat face oc tanner sports room circa on relative insight and from the fields for making this happen if you would like to donate or find out more about the charity and our charity auction please have a look at the podcast notes and find our just giving link thank you to everyone who has donated so far okay so get the christmas jumpers on find your favorite drink sit back and relax and enjoy and have a very merry christmas everyone and a great 2022 kate and helen very merry christmas to you both welcome to the first ever management today charity christmas podcast thank you for making a huge effort with your christmas jumpers so you've got your gift feel free to yes. you unwrap it now Lovely Christmas cover. Oh, beautiful! Oh, classic. Classic. Yeah, it's a copy. It's a copy of Christmas Carol. We're going to have the spirit of well-being, past, present, and future, uh, to well help us navigate Christmas. Kate, Helen, are you ready to venture into the past? Do it. Ready. <laughs> yeah. Spirit of Christmas Past has taken you back to Rio Olympics 2016. Of course. Mm. I mean, it must have been an exciting place to be back at Rio when you look back, but it must also have been a kind of a stressful place to, to be at the mm -hmm. same time. Anything that you can take from the team that you can, I guess, relate back to, to Christmas, because Christmas can be not maybe as stressful as the Olympics, but, but yeah. it can get a little bit heated at times. Yeah, I, I definitely think being in, you know, relatively small kind of apartments with, I think we were in, we had two sevens, didn't we? And uh, what would that be? Two sevens and a four. But you're in a very confined space. And bearing in mind within that, we had two reserves who would only play if um, someone was injured and kind of signed out of the, of the tournament. So, and just being in, in that tight space together for a quite a good period of time, when there's, like, as you say, extra kind of stress and pressure of performance and, and every single day having to be your best self and, and I think that is that at Christmas time, you're suddenly sometimes thrown together with people that you maybe wouldn't spend that intense amount of time with. And, you know, things great on you. And, you know, there's, there's bits of friction and it's how you're able to manage your state and, and give an allowance 
to other people and also find what's best for you and give yourself time away from that as well, which I think is really important. So I definitely think that's the one that sticks out for me. Let's talk about the elephant in the room there, that even the loved ones that we have actually start to annoy us after a while. Is, is that what you're saying, Kate? I think it's normal. I think it's just, it would you know, it's realistic. It's, it would be, well, I don't know. I, I'd say it was, it'd be unrealistic to think that there's, you know, in a, in a, in a relationship, in, a, in an intimate relationship, when you are spending that much time together, um, an intense time and, and a long period of time, then, yeah, there are certain things, little things that, you know, each, each other does that, mm. yeah, causes a bit of aggravation and annoyance. Helen, you've worked with teams and talked about, you know, ways of working and how, you know, you set the ways of operating and the ground rules and, and, and things like that. Helen, are, are there any things that, that are particularly important to you in terms of ways of, of working over Christmas? Just on your point there, I think that's potentially why arguments a little bit over Christmas time, because we don't necessarily set those yeah. ground rules and those boundaries that, that you have. And we just allow things to happen because we didn't want that to have that uncomfortable conversation. And we go into Christmas, Christmas with an expectation, oh, it's Christmas, like, mm -hmm. we, you know, I'm going to really enjoy it. And, there's gonna be more in. and then the reality is, mm -hmm. obviously, there are those moments which are great, but there's also those moments that, like Kate said, that are kind of challenging. And it's almost like trying to set your expectation at the right level. Yeah. And therefore, you kind of won't be disappointed <laughs> in, yeah. in a way or, or, or and or having conversations that potentially you need to have. You know, when you don't spend huge amounts of time with family and then suddenly, you know, oh, for this one day, it's made out to be this, you know, magical day. And we do. I think we all place too much expectation on this one day when we kind of are able to have open conversations about what we want to, you know, have get out of this day or what we expect from each other, how we want to be and how you can help me get kind of be my best and, and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> have, that, have that conversation up front. And well, I, yeah. I won't put this as the quote for, for the podcast, but have an average Christmas and then you, <laughs> yeah. and then you won't be disappointed. Yeah. Management Today and the Trussell Trust would also like to thank Smartsheet for supporting us. Smartsheet is the enterprise platform built for dynamic work. It empowers organisations and teams to dynamically plan, execute and report on work to move faster, drive innovation and achieve more. Head on over to smartsheet.com. Yeah, I, I would say I, I remain horrified at the level of... The, the mass distribution of emergency food aid that goes on in our country and in, in the fifth richest country in the world. It continues to shock me uh, because I think when you sit and speak to somebody who's find themselves forced to have to come to a food bank um, and, and understand the awful grip and, and, and devastation caused by that kind of poverty that people are experiencing, it's, it's, it's still there. It's still that kind of deep poverty destitution um, that we 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 don't believe and don't think should be existing in our country but it's there will and john a very merry christmas to you both you can of course now unwrap your gift i do hope you like it oh, oh fabulous on, john just crack on ah. there you go the a christmas carol oh this is yeah. this is all your theme is coming together 
Yeah, Will, which which character would you be? Yeah, I was just having a look at that, but I just stumbled across. I love I love the language. Uh, nobody under the bed, nobody in the closet, nobody in his dressing gown, which was hanging up in a suspicious attitude against the wall. I love that the dressing gown had a suspicious attitude. Yeah, oh, spectacular. Who would I be? Um, looking down it, probably Joe. A marine store dealer and receiver of stolen goods. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm the ghost of Christmas yet to come. <clears throat> oh, well, well, we'll come back to that. Um, because the, the bells the bells are sounding. The, we spared no expense on the sound effects. Production values. Will, let's go back to your uh, Christmas past. Yeah. Your spirit has taken you back to Clapham, London, 1995. Oh, my God, what are you going to say next? Well, Honestly, right. you're, we're I'm not Joe, that receiver of stolen goods. That's not me. It's the day after a jubilant celebration amongst your Harlequin teammates. The morning alarm goes off at 5.30 a.m. for another nerve-shredding day on the trading floor. The spirit looks aghast as a younger, pale, hollow-eyed, and worse for wear will lights up a cigarette. Uh, you see your younger self reach into your pocket for a letter from your dad. The spirit asks, what advice have you accepted from your dad that has impacted your well-being positively? So in those days, you would have a plumber's estate agents, uh, insurance brokers, all sorts in an England rugby team. I was nowhere near the England rugby team. And having done economics at Durham, got a 2-1, got a job with HSBC. And uh, I would play rugby, sometimes Saturday, sometimes Sunday. But I was rubbish nutritionally. Uh, my nicknames have been Montgomery Burns, Rodney Trotter, Shaggy. Part of that was I just had no real self-care. I just tried, thought I could rely on talent. Uh, and my breakfast used to be a cigarette. The piece of advice, Quinn's offered me a derogatory contract when rugby first turns pro. Mm. I go, I'm earning more in the city. I'm not going to turn pro. I'll play for Roslyn Park, which was in the second division, with my friends, keep earning money. I'm going to, it's all about the money. Who cares about the rugby? And my dad uh, took me for a pint. But imagine there was an old uh, old fella at the far end of the bar that hadn't quite come up to lived up to his talents and he said almost pointing at him metaphorically said don't be that bloke at the end of the bar who wastes his talent but says 30 years later I could have I should have I was as good as um, go find out fail fast and if you do come back to HSBC I made that decision and um, all things went okay I was going to ask you about the, uh, a phrase you've used, nothing good happens after midnight. Uh, but we'll, we'll Oh, yeah, I only that. learned that when I was 42. <laughs> I love that phrase. You're right, too. You're right. John, for you, we're going back even further to 1987, to your old home, Stockport. Uh, you head into your mum's room and you can see your younger self sharing your dream of playing in the NBA with her. You see the two of you creating a plan together. She asks you, if you would recognize your soul in the dark, the spirit turns to you and says, how did knowing yourself so well, the good, the bad and the ugly impact your well-being? 
in terms of knowing yourself, knowing your limits, one of the things in sport I think is really, but actually it's not just in sport, is the idea of knowing the difference between discomfort and pain. Knowing what is useful, if awful, and what is dangerous. And lots of, I think the difference between success and failure in very, very talented people, <clears throat> that's one of the dimensions. I see people, even in work context, and you see, oh, I've really worked hard on this, and you realize what you mean is, this is highly uncomfortable. This is causing me anxiety and other things, but it's actually not dangerous, it's not a stretch too far. And so knowing yourself, it helps you understand. The, the, the biggest revelation for me was realizing I'm lazy. Intrinsically, fundamentally, stick of rock, right the way through me, lazy. No. Given an opportunity between easy path and hard path, with nobody watching, it's easy path. Wow. It, it is. Everything about me is that way. So my diary is handled by someone else, and I do what it says in the diary. Uh, it is a fact that if my life is not organized in such a way as to preclude it, laziness is the option. If I didn't know this about myself, I'd fool myself into thinking, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll go to work out. But I won't. Mm -hmm. I won't work out. I have a food service. Meals come twice a, twice a week, breakfast, lunch, dinner, a couple of snacks. Because I know that if, I leave it, if I'm left to my devices, it's, it's like a, a peanut butter and digestus will be my breakfast followed by red velvet cake and Greg's for lunch. That's what will happen. I've got no self-discipline in that kind of way. But what I do have is an ability to stick to a schedule. You can take the boy out of Stockport. <laughs> right. I love it because, because I now coach a junior team. When I say junior team, they are men, but it's like junior, not, not professionals. On a Tuesday and Thursday night, Tuesday we do the fitness. And I will point out to you those that don't understand the difference between those two uh, feelings, those that feel, oh my God, this, 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 this is dangerous, I will stop. No, it's not, you're just a little bit tired. Uh, and the greatest players I played with knew that in reality, whatever training they did, they were unlikely to drop dead. Therefore, they could find a way to get something more out of them. They trained ugly. Uh, they trained out of the comfort zone that allowed them the, the easy switch. And you'd put it exactly, John, the right words in work and see the same people at work. Oh, well betide me. It's, it, it's not going to kill you. Just get it done uh, and crack on. And I know that's a little bit old school. Will takes for granted one bit here that I think is really important, that Will's a good coach. So that you see this push and you know that there's a point where that push must stop, even if they, this young person doesn't want to stop or this employee doesn't want to stop. There is a point where you have to say, actually, no. Yeah. T time to turn off your computer, time to go. And then it's recuperation, which is something I learned in sport that I don't think we incorporate into the world of work more broadly. The idea that some of the things that regain new energy are effortful. It isn't just crashing on a couch. Sometimes that's not the thing. Sometimes it's swimming or it's walking or it's something else, an activity that's going to be effortful. And I think that's the piece that's missing in workplaces. We don't have enough leaders who realize if you do, if you're fortunate, I have to have people who thrash themselves. Your job is to stop them as much as it is to start the people who won't thrash themselves. And that's how we maintain people's balance. That's how we maintain people's ability to, to win in the long term can get so short-sighted in work sometimes people want 
to hit this quarter's target, even if it means that they miss the next three. Management Today and the Trussell Trust would also like to thank Fatface. At Fatface, they believe that what we wear is part of the journey. Their clothing is carefully crafted to live life in, to embark on everyday adventures that make you smile. The Fat Face Foundation was set up to make a positive and enduring difference to the lives of people in communities where Fat Face sources, manufactures and sells products. The Fat Face Foundation has donated over £1 million to local, national and international charities close to their hearts. Food banks in our network distributed only 60,000 food parcels 10 years ago, but 2.5 million food parcels last year. And we know the things that have changed during that time that have driven more people into food banks. And they can change again. We can easily reduce and end the need for food banks. And that would be our, that's our vision as an organisation is to end the need for food banks in, in the UK. And um, so I would say join us in bringing about that change. Um, congratulations, I'm your ghost of Christmas present. We're <laughs> it's, uh, it's Christmas Eve in a younger hockey player's house, uh, a high potential for the future. She's restless thinking about the next match. Uh, she's not really present for friends that might be in need or for celebrations with family. All focus is on the match, the performance data, the results. She's down the gym and she's practising on the pitch. What advice would you give for this player? And what's the key to switching off from work over Christmas? Immediately, the first thing that came to mind was, well, that person needs balance. And there's also a little part of, quite a big part of my brain. I, I was going to say, well done, keep going. Yeah, so there's, there's, there's another quite a big part of my brain that's going, yeah, that's what it's going to take. It's, it's, at times, there will be a need to be all in and to be saying no to things and making hard choices, because that is going to help you get to where you need to go. That needs to be, though, coupled with making sure that there is time built in when it's appropriate to also look after yourself. And you, and I think you can look after yourself when you're going all in as well. I, I do think there that isn't, a, isn't an either or. Um, and I think it's hard, and I think it's challenging, but I think it can be done. Now I am older and wiser and have the experience of experience actually going all in and it being quite challenging at times I'm I'm in a different place I mean cutting yourself off from friends and relationships and connection like that is what can get the best out of you in life and your if your life involves sport then that will also help you in your sport so for that young girl actually mm. losing connection with people is half of the beauty of it like one thing I loved was winning I really truly loved winning that was what motivated me a lot and I think I don't think about that as much now but if I was honest with myself I would look back and think yeah I, I still love that and that was what motivated me but also alongside that and equally as important was those connections that I built with people and the lifelong friends that I now have because of it you know, I'm thinking back to my career. I don't regret going all in in any way, but what I'd wished I'd added more of is more being more time to be playful. So whatever that means, and that can mean, you know, million things and also be uh, rest, restful. And I think if I'd, if I'd just put, put those two things into 
and I can and I think I could have done that in small pockets and during the week every week I think I think that would have enhanced my performance Mm -hmm. but and I as I said I think I think that's not an either or I think you can just build it in I think life as an athlete you're always looking to that next tournament Mm. and you then basically kind of don't live in the moment because you're thinking about a year's time or even four years time if you're thinking about an Olympic Games Mm. like what rather than actually no I'm I'm living in the here and now and I'm with these people and I'm really um I'm really with them and I'm listening and I'm connecting as opposed to oh I need to uh, you know just thinking about I need to leave because I need to get to bed because I've got training tomorrow and 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 the knock-on effect of all that so I would just add also mindful within that going back to Christmas day you can be so focused on that that you actually forget the build-up yes Mm -hmm. it's a part that build-ups the the fun part actually I remember we had that conversation (laughs) last year actually like the build-up is is actually is the bit yeah like putting up the lights and you know seeing lights everywhere and being cold and wrapping up warm and you know decorating and pies pies every day (laughs) we'd also like to thank oc tanner the global leader in engaging workplace cultures enabling thousands of companies to create moments that inspire people to achieve, appreciate and connect to purpose and each other. Discover more at octanner.com. We saw an increase of the number of people who find themselves in those circumstances during the pandemic and, and coming to food banks. And over this last six months, as we've been coming out of the pandemic, we're still seeing really high levels of people coming to food banks. We've been providing over 5,000 food parcels a day to people during the last six months. And 2,000 of those each day have been to children. That's an incredibly high volume. Uh, And these are the situations that we're seeing at the moment that are only exacerbated as we look towards winter now. And now we're heading to the Amici household with friends and family. You've been given a long list of chores to do, John, and the diary's full of commitments. You can't get a moment's peace You can't even hear yourself think and uncharacteristically in anger, you say, I thought Christmas was a chance to switch off. I just wanted to watch Star Wars and drink Earl Grey. John, you've talked about the importance of an occasional pause for well-being. Uh, Will you be doing this over Christmas and what value can it actually bring? I will certainly be doing it over Christmas. Uh, I don't get angry. Um, uh, I mean, I'm angry all the time. It's very much a an incredible hulk type thing but it's contained but over christmas that won't happen because i spend precisely three days with my my sister and her family precisely three days because precisely three days is exactly how long we can tolerate each other without getting into an argument we talk every day every single day with with my sister in manchester i talk i just uh, texted back and forth my sister who's in um who's in los angeles but pause is important. I'm an introvert. I need to be away from people. Uh, I find people uh, incredibly energy expensive. And as such, I have to find ways to get away. I do not leave my house unless I, unless there is a purpose. So that purpose is at five in the morning or six in the morning to go to the gym or, or occasionally to go for a walk. But I, I'm really purposeful about this, and I pepper it through the day. There are points in my schedule that say pause. They are just moments where it's for me. It's for me. I've got this app called Endel that I like quite a lot that plays 
I don't know, music and sounds in the background. I find it quite, quite lovely, actually. And so this is part of my schedule. If I am to demand what I demand of myself for my team and for our clients, then I have to do this. Otherwise, I'm not as good. So partly about managing your availability over Christmas, how accessible you are is a big part of navigating. Oh, yes. And I am the first person to tell someone, uh, you can't come over. Nope. Nope. I love you. You're a great friend, but not now. This is me at home. I'm watching Columbo and I don't really want to talk to human beings. That will be a lot of my, my between Christmas and New Year is watching Columbo. And yeah. Poirot. Yeah. Just, uh, just, uh, just one more thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I wanted to come in and say that. That's <laughs> how, how don't people realise he's smart at this point? How many cases do you have to solve in Los Angeles before the criminals realise you're already screwed when he shows up? Yeah. Done. It's like the other thing I always thought of. I always felt really gutted for anyone who lived next door to Mrs. Marple. Because like, some serious central. shit's about to go down in your village. Yes, if she shows up, death. <laughs> We'd also like to thank Relative Insight. Relative Insight is a text analytics software platform that helps organizations generate actionable insights from any text data using technology originally developed to catch criminals online. Now, Relative's technology works with and compares any sources of text data, whether this is from social media, consumer product reviews, or even podcast transcripts, to tell you what's different. Most of what people say is the same, especially when they're talking about a similar topic. So what they say differently is usually the most interesting and insightful part. Just in those early days of the pandemic, when we were hearing stories of food not being on supermarket shelves, that we might not be able to go out of our house and get our shopping in. And were we going to be able to get hold of food? We just had a little taste of the fear that comes from the possibility we wouldn't be able to access food for our families and for ourselves. That is food insecurity, but it's that constantly. What gives me great hope is is how we responded to that slice of fear. We thought, how can we help one another? And so people stepped out trying to help their neighbours as much as they could when we realised that that was going to be a problem. So uh, we're now in the Richardson-Walsh household, or is it Walsh? Walsh-Richardson. No, Richardson-Walsh. How right does it, Walsh-Richardson? You could mix it up. There's no more to say. Do what you want. So there's a great deal to arrange in the household, shopping, food to buy, cards to send, parties to plan, friends and family to speak with. Helen is particularly stressed as she's been left with all the wrapping to do again. It's one of my strengths, to be fair. (laughs) What have you both learnt about stress management over the years that can actually help us enjoy Christmas just that little bit more? When I turn up to coach, and I, I pull up at training and it's, you know, what it's, what it's seven o'clock, quarter to seven. And I've had whatever day I've had and I'm carrying all of that with me as I pull up to, to take this training session. And as I walk, whatever, it's two, three minutes from the car to the hockey pitch, I know that I need to tune in with my energy and where my mind is and where my emotions are so that I can be my best self at whatever that is on that given day for my players when um, when I get to them because they deserve it. I owe it to them. 
and to give them the very best session that they can get that evening they are giving up their time they're paying to to have this session effectively mm. um and you know we, we have set our principles for the season and, and we're all in together on that on that making that happen and that that's you know for me to be like right I can have my hood up at the beginning of this walk and be kind of slumped down and hunched over and more like, you know, waffling on about something that's annoyed me. Mm. Um, and, but by the time I get there, I need to have eye contact. I need to say, hello, how are you doing? Be there with them um, and start the sessions and mean to go on. Some of us think elite athletes are superheroes because, because when we meet them, we think, oh, they're, they're always like that. But actually, you, you have hoodie moments as, uh, as well so like it's out now the truth the truth's out there and i'm just thinking all oh, right well what what are going to be when do i need to be my best over christmas what are those critical moments and i know what it is it's going to be like the 4 a.m um coming <laughs> into the room the unpacking of the stocking uh mm -hmm. and i'm going to be well i'm i'm, I'm going to have enjoyed myself the night before <coughs> so I, i'm i'm going to try and be my best self 4 a.m. Christmas Day. Helen. So I've got three things. I've thought of three things whilst Kate was talking. <laughs> if I can try and remember them. Job. All right. Expectation, give back to yourself, and gratitude. So expectation, lower it. <laughs> <laughs> Be realistic about what the holiday season is like for you. We most of us have a good idea of actually what is realistic. So be real. Um, and expect that don't expect it to be something that it's not going to be you just know it's not going to be so that would be my one thing give back to yourself make time in the day every day however small that amount of time is to do what you need to do for yourself so if it is 20 minute run every morning do that if it's taking yourself away to another room where nobody is for 10 minutes reading of your book or mindfulness or you know whatever that is try and give that time to yourself um, and then the last thing would be gratitude so when your children I assume that's who you mean run into your bedroom at 4am in the morning it's about being grateful for those moments that you get the chance to experience that and being grateful that they are there and happy and you have that that you're able to give them and trying to be grateful for those things that that matter so when you go to coach Kate and you see the, the the talent coming through is that is that similar you're reliving something just like what you're saying Helen that you know I'm reliving something at, at Christmas we can see it we can see the same things happening again and again and again and we're reminded of you know the beauty of life I guess I guess is that the same when you coach oh yeah I mean people are just so well fascinating aren't we and everybody's everybody's journey's different and to see people, sh I, I think, you know, when you're performing, whether it's sport, acting, music, you know, whatever it might be, you're, you're performing, you're putting yourself out there and you're making yourself quite vulnerable. So I think anybody that shows up at whatever level, I think shows up and gives of themselves in that way, I think you have to give huge respect to and be so grateful that you actually can be there to, well, see that, help them and support them. I think that's a that sometimes we forget that about coaching. We think it's about well, you know, results and they've got to be, and actually it's just, you know, wow, like they're they're here, they've showed up, they want you to coach them. That's pretty. That's pretty awesome. 
We'd also like to thank Sports Rooms. Sports Rooms is the ultimate sports travel solution. The company provides accommodation and travel for teams, supporters, sponsors, and media, as well as national and international federations at some of the world's highest profile sports events. Sports Rooms' experience includes working with Premier League football teams, Premiership rugby teams, county championship cricket teams, and major events, including two Rugby World Cups, three European rugby finals, five UEFA Champions League finals, and many more. For more information, visit sportsrooms.com. When would you say the Greenwood and Amici household is at its best over Christmas? You first, John. I go to my sister's house. I have one job, essentially. I get to I select a cocktail of the year, and that is the cocktail that we will enjoy on Christmas Day until things get crazy. And then my sister tells me that my job is to make sure that she is drunk by 11. In the morning or in the evening? <laughs> in the morning. I have never failed. What have, been, what have been previous examples of aforementioned cocktails? Probably about five years ago, I discovered edible glitter. What? And ever since then, it has been a feature of every cocktail that I have ever made. So I had edible glitter. I did a, a cocktail that was um, gin and uh, champagne and a little bit of Chambord or pomegranate juice, which we may, we may bring that back this year because it was very popular. This year, I've also bought some Japanese gin that has gold flakes in it already. So I'm, I'm. This is going to be a winner this year. How expensive is that Quality. drink? I'm not sure we could get the ingredients up up, up here. I um, have no idea. It's a special <laughs> treat. That's it. Nice. Will, what about you? We historically, for the last twenty years, have gone to Norfolk to grannies whilst i'm changing geography i think christmas for me is knowing that granny gets up at literally 2 a.m to get the the turkey on and uh and yet it's always 20 minutes late it's extraordinary i think no matter what time work expands to fill the time you have no matter what time i think if you put it on now it would still be 20 minutes late and she wraps it in this like chirin shroud that she's had to keep the juices in, that she's had. Is that, it might be an oily old rag, but she's had it forever. So we probably don't go quite as hard as an 11 a.m. time to go to bed finish. Uh, we, we hold it back, but then have a really strong, aggressive push between the hours of three and five. I then uh, orchestrate a card school. Nice. For brother-in-law and all kids. And uh, me and brother-in-law then let kids disappear and we quietly consume our body weight in red wine until we fall over about 8pm. That's the one. Well, on, on the topic of top cocktails, I did make an effort. And uh, believe it or not, this is Charles Dickens' favourite drink. The Sherry Flip, which I don't know if you know this. It's like something from I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. It really does. It, it, well, also, why is that thing standing up in it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's that solid. Is it really that thick? It actually needs to be stirred this hard. It, oh, sherry, oh, no. raw egg, nutmeg, and, and powdered, no, no. powdered sugar. You can't, you can't mess with Dickens, John. Well, there are yeah. some things that go out of fashion for a reason, you know. 
Well, apparently this is very good for your well-being. Uh, it cures all ailments, and it loosened his voice for the performance. So I thought, you know, just to be polite to the guests, that I'd, you know, have a little little drink. That's napalm of the gut. It really Under is. It loosened his voice. Mm-hmm. Plus the raw egg bit of it. Yeah. I mean, you don't actually look like you're enjoying it, I'll be honest. Did you, were, you, were you a raw egg, ram, rocky kind of guy, John? No, I was a Greg Steak uh, slice kind of guy. That was my training food. I didn't, I mean, I didn't do anything sporty related until 17 anyway. Mm. So it was just about pies. It's still about pies now. To this could, pot noodles. You could hold four in each Oh, hand. my goodness. I could and I would. We'll move on from Greg slices. It's about well-being. Management Today and the Trussell Trust would like to thank our sponsors. Circon successfully enable the global scientific community to undertake research by providing innovative, collaborative instrumentation and software manufactured and developed right here in the UK. For more information, visit circon-instruments.com. And every winter we see a significant increase in the number of people coming to food banks and that's because the extra costs of heating your home so the impossible decisions families are facing are, do we as parents skip meals in order to put food on the table for our children or do we turn the heating off? And these are the kind of decisions that, that none of us should be ever having to make. They're not decisions that we want for our loved ones or for ourselves. And yet there are millions of people in our country facing those decisions as we go into winter um, because they simply don't have enough money to, to afford the essentials. We're heading south to the Greenwood family home. I think we can hear some music. And Will, I, I didn't know that you could play the saxophone. Did you know I did want to play the saxophone at school? I, didn't, I don't think I've written that. <laughs> I, I did. And my school, St Mary's Hall, didn't have a saxophone. They only had a clarinet. And I did about a term on the clarinet and I went, I can't play Jerry Rafferty's Baker Street on this. So I'm going to quit. Bad workman blames his tools. I get it. I know I've fallen into that trap, but who knows where I might have gone if, if St Mary's Hall had had a sax. It's Christmas Eve and you can finally just relax. This is your one moment. But Mrs Greenwood calls through to you and says, Will, I need you to go up to the loft to find the spare Christmas tree lights. A small tear falls down your cheek as you go to fetch the ladder. So, Will, you've written about the idea of being proper selfish. How might this help busy parents like yourself through Christmas? Well, first of all, I am jumping off that couch and legging it upstairs to the loft because I know who runs this household uh, and it isn't me. Um, <laughs> I think that sort of question reminds me that proper selfishness is probably... Uh, me and the missus going down the pub and having a glass of champagne or a pint of beer or um, going to the gym because it's good for my mental health and my missus absolutely needs and loves the gym because it's great for her to switch off. Again, these are really deep philosophical questions. So proper selfishness is actually taking the time, almost without getting John ZA to diarise it for me, but diarising downtime in order to to slow down, to speed up, to take that time out, to then be able to have better time with your children as opposed to being on all the time and it being a six out of ten. 
where I need to be better is sometimes remove myself from the whole situation and then come back in and, and be better when I'm, be more present when I'm there. I think I got there in the end. Sounds good to me. Self-care over Christmas, pr- protecting your own time for recovery and the thing, the things you in, enjoy so you can be better for others. Is that, is that what you're saying, Will? Exactly what I wanted to say. John, uh, there are many different forms of generosity, of course, that we can show. It's supposed to be great for our own well-being. It's not just about donating to to charity, although we'll be encouraging the listeners to. But what are the different forms of generosity that we can give to others over Christmas? You know, I do these, these videos on a fairly regular basis. And the one I did that came out today was about asking people how they are. Um, I think one of the properly generous things that real colleagues do, not just co-workers, but real colleagues do, is they notice when their colleagues aren't the same as they usually are. Whether it's a period of elation, when they are normally quite somber, whether it's a period of being down when someone's normally quite up, but they notice and they inquire about it. Um, My team and I, we have a rule which is don't ask if you don't care. So nobody gets to fill, you know, when you arrive on a Zoom call early and you just, you just, it's interminable and, but you don't just say to Will, oh, Will, how are you? If you don't actually care about the answer, because everybody can tell. Everybody can tell the look on people's face when you roll your eyes because someone says anything other than fine or good. And that's one of the most generous things you can do as a colleague. Don't ask if you don't care and care we're gonna to head to the christmas future now i know you've got a hard stop at 7 15 but um we can we can now see a solemn ghost in front of you us you know what i love michael god loves a trier and i've never <laughs> ever ever been afraid to make a fool of myself uh, you know what keep throwing paint michael i'm, I'm still going um Listen, you're, you're visited by the ghost of Christmas future. John, like Scrooge and in his journey, do you think having an awareness of your own mortality and our brief time on this planet is helpful for our well-being? Listen, I mean, this depends on your philosophical or religious point of view. I'm an atheist. Atheism is simply a, a, a reflection that you, you don't believe in a particular god or gods, right? I, I don't. But it's not, it's, my perspective is more scientific than that. It's simply that I know that when one's brain is damaged, <clears throat> there is less of you. Whether that be um, a neurodebilitating type of disease or something like that, there is less. So if my brain is damaged, there's less of me. And when my brain is completely gone, there's none of me. And the reason I point this out is not to focus on death, but simply to point out that if you want to live forever, in any real sense... The only way you do it is by hitching a ride in the mind of other people that you've come across. It's the only way. My mother lives because I tell her story through every book that I ever write, through every conversation I ever have. She lives for that reason. And each one of us will have a choice about how we live in the heads of the people we meet. We will either be a well-told story that people love or we will be a story that people mock and deride and, 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 and curse our name. That's the key for me. If you 
if I want to live forever, which I, I don't as an actual being, I think it would be miserable. But as an idea, I would love that. My sister and I were talking about this the other night. Um, because we didn't experience, um, we were very fortunate, we didn't experience a lot of, of death at all, or any death really, for until we were quite old. And so we never, we didn't talk about it. It wasn't on the table, it wasn't discussed, and we never thought about it. You know, it's just, I didn't have the language to, and I, it became quite a fear for me. And I think there's lots of points in my life when I look back and I'm so anxious about certain things, certainly about being alone. And I just wonder if, if that's part of it, is that fear of looking to, you know, the eventuality that is going to happen to everybody. It is a hard thing to look at, but what does it, what does it trigger in a positive way? What does it get you to, to think about? But I think that's quite quite a good exercise to to think about what people might say at your funeral or what might be written on your gravestone. And I think it's actually a really motivating thing, actually, to think, well, there's I've got I don't know how long I've got left on this earth, but I'm going to, you know, try and make whatever I've got left be as impactful as possible and as meaningful as possible to whomever the world, the client, you know, climate, everything that that I can and I think it is a really, it can be a really motivating exercise. I think you have to bring it back to the present again, though, because I think it can be like this, it can just be this huge, mm. massive thing. And, you you know, it's like, I think, bring it back to what you can control right now. I think it does naturally, doesn't it, bring you back to the present? Because if you think about how you want to be remembered, essentially, mm. it then makes you think, well, today I need to be like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and it really does bring you back to the, the present. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it gives you a huge kick up the pants. And that yeah. might be true of some people over Christmas, you know, actually not telling the, their loved ones that, you know, that they're important to them and, and that mm-hmm. they love them. It might be a little thing. It might be little things like that. It might be something colossal, like a, you know, like a winning goal in the Olympics. John, I've got a small surprise for you and, and I'll, be asking the same question to to Will in terms of looking forward to the future, just like Scrooge. I asked a colleague of yours to complete an exercise that Will wrote about, and the exercise was for you to write about your seventy-year-old self and who you want to be when you, you know what you want to be like when when you're seventy, and the implications of that, of course, you know, give you some actions to to think about. Would you like to hear um, the feedback? that your colleague Chris gave uh, on that exercise. Yeah, let's hear it. John at 70 is someone whose own accomplishments exceed that of the average person, but John was never average and his own accomplishments were never the end goal. It's how John has elevated others that is his real achievement. It's in how he enabled ordinary individuals to achieve the extraordinary It's how he changed our thinking of what it means to be a leader and when leadership really starts. It's in how many lightsabers he owns and it's in how he helps us all realize that we can collectively achieve great things just through simple acts of thinking about the impact we have on others. I I don't think that captures any of my rough edges, but it's lovely that she would say so but it doesn't capture part of you know part of what makes me effective is is my 
occasional jerkishness, and I don't think that quite captures that, but it's lovely. And I will have a lot of lightsabers, because I have four now, and I'm going to have at least another ten. <laughs> well, what's your 70-year-old self going to be like? Seems like a nice way to, to wrap up the podcast. Lovely karma. No, don't sweat the little... Stop in sweating the little things. We have a group of Durham University, uh, a crowd of us get together once every six months. We share everything. I mean, literally, it is an open house. And uh, But one of the things that we keep popping down is your, your, the thing you want to overcome by, literally, the thing you want to overcome by the time you are 70. And mine is not to let the fact that there is a light bulb behind my right shoulder that isn't working. And because it's not working, it really irritates me. And yet, there is enough light in this room. I would like to be calmer and continue on my upward trajectory of being more present than I was when I was 20, which wasn't difficult, when I'm in the presence of others. And I love, one of the things I'm going to take away, don't ask if you don't care. Love, love, love that line. Um, and uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to practice that. He's a 70-year-old John Amici. <laughs> Uh, if I make it to 70, it will mean that I have managed to find a way of letting go of the rage. It's a good righteous rage, yeah. right? It's a it's a rage against all the things that I want to try and help people with and control and the societal stuff that's so terrible. It's that, right? So it's not just I'm an angry person. It's I want to, it means I will have found solutions that are meaningful. And that's what I'm going to do before I pop my clogs. Help me as a disciple, John. Yes, I've got to brand the brothers. To, I look forward to meeting you both at 70. I think I can hear the uh, celebratory bells of, of St. Paul's, but I, I won't play them. <laughs> I won't play them now. I hope those uh, listening are full of life, just as Scrooge was after his final visitation. Scrooge uh, did make a sizable donation to, uh, to charity on Christmas Day. Hopefully our listeners will do the same. Uh, check out the podcast notes for more information on the Trussell Trust, the Just Giving link, and information on our charity auction as well. A very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to you both. Um, let's hope it's a good one. And thank you again for your time, John and Will. Thank, thank you. Take you care, too. brother. Take care. Kate, Helen, a very Merry Christmas to you. I hope you have a peaceful one, uh, a great 2022. Let's hope it's a good one. Uh, and thanks again for your time. Pleasure. Thank, Thank you, Michael. Thank you. Merry you Christmas. Too.